Okay guys, I am so excited to bring you Melissa Griggs. She is the founding president of Unchangeable Love, which is an inner healing ministry that helps people discover and step into their true identity as a son or a daughter of the Most High God. Melissa is very passionate about helping women view themselves and see the beauty, uniqueness, and worthiness that God created them to hold. The heart of the ministry beyond discovering one's true identity is teaching and activating others to step into a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ through the secret place. She teaches and shares her testimony on an international level. She is a wife, mother, author, and ordained minister. And I had the pleasure of meeting her one day for coffee, and we just had such a long, beautiful conversation. We talked about her book. We talked about her her story, her testimony, what brought her to this place. And I really think that you guys are going to enjoy this. The interview ended up going so long that I had to break it down into three different episodes. So this week you will be getting three episodes and it's all about Melissa and her story and I really think that you guys will enjoy it. So I've broken it down into three. There'll be an episode going out today, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of this week. So enjoy. We do get pretty involved and it gets a little heavy in some places. So if you have small children, you might want to listen to this episode when they are not around. Just wanted to give you that warning. This can be a very emotional episode. I also want to take this time to invite you to join my private Facebook group, Combating Your Autoimmunity God's Way. And that's just a safe place where we can talk about our health issues. We can pray over each other, pray for one another, encourage each other and lift each other up and get some health support along the way. So I would love to see you over there. I would love to have you join us. And the link will be in the show notes. If you have been thinking about reaching out to me for that autoimmune assessment call, Go ahead and do it. Don't wait any longer. Let's just have a talk and let's just see where you are now and where you want to be. And I can help you with that. So without further ado, I want to bring you Melissa. Well, hi, Melissa. It's so good to see you today. How are you doing? I am doing great. It's so good to be with you. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. I have wanted you as a guest on my my show for so long, ever since I read your book a heart after his and just really learning about the keys that you talk about. And it's just so powerful. So I know that we'll be talking a little bit more about that, but it's just such a great book. And I just have so many uh, dog ears and highlights and like, I kind of messed it up a little bit, but it was really, really powerful. That's how, you know, it's a good book when you're sitting there and you are just like out there with a pen and you're like, yes, Lord. And you're writing on the side. And so it's, it's a really good book. I can't wait for, you know, my listeners to hear about this and hear about what was your really inspiration. It was so divine inspiration, of course, but what brought you to this point? And you have a fascinating story, a an amazing redemption story. And I would just love, if you don't mind, just to take as much time as you need to, to share that. Absolutely. So yeah, it has been a journey and it's it's crazy because when it's your story, when it's your journey, you don't think about it being as I guess, dramatic or as intense and stuff as it, 
as it is because you you live it out. But um, God has definitely brought me a long way. I can say that. And and just in reference to the book, and I know we'll talk about it a little bit later in the session, but um, it's crazy because when I wrote this book, I didn't even know that I was writing a book because God has to work with me like that. Because if he tells me something to do and it's scary to me, which most of the times the things that the Lord has me do, I walk out being uncomfortable because it's not the things the Lord has put me in doesn't come naturally to me. Just like, you know, preaching around the world internationally. And like when I say it, I still cannot. I mean, I'm like, it blows my mind. (laughs) Like, it's crazy to even say that. God has, I I do it in uncomfortableness in myself, but in his strength. Right. Because if it wasn't him giving me the strength and the wisdom to be able to do the things that he's called me to do, I obviously would not be able to do them. Um, So when I wrote the book, I was just writing, I was teaching a lesson and I was just writing keys that had helped me to really um, go deeper in my relationship with God. And um, I was doing it for a Facebook group. And then when I finished, the Lord told me, he said, congratulations, you just wrote your first book. He tricked me into it. And he would do that. I love that. And so I just took what I had done on Facebook and I just um, expounded on them and put more scripture with it and just really created it and made it into the book that, that you have today. So that is so awesome. Like, you know, God really does know all of the details of our heart and our mind and, and just every little detail of how he can get us to obey in a way that helps us and supports us where we don't feel like it's, I mean, there's, there are sometimes he wants us to take a massive leap, right? Of course, Absolutely. but Absolutely. he's also gentle with us and he will just kind of slowly soften the blow of what he has for us because honestly we know this if we knew the whole picture we would maybe never even start oh there's no way no absolutely I agree a hundred percent yeah well that's awesome I know that there are just so many great takeaways in there and and the fact that you started all that out with just a Facebook group I think that's great because you know as we're putting out information that the Lord lays on our heart. Like we have no idea what he can do with it. We have no idea. That's absolutely right. Just like with the podcast that you're doing right now. Like I believe that it's so much bigger than what you're doing right now. You know, I mean, I just, I believe it is. Oh, well, thank you. I, I had no desire like a year and a half ago to do this. It was never even on my radar, but it was on God's radar. And yeah, the way it all orchestrated out the way he helped me. I mean, just putting all of these things on my heart to do. And it's literally just that step of obedience. And and like you with writing the book, you know, it's, it's the steps of obedience. Fortunately, you already had the keys already written. So like you said, you, you had the, um, the basis because possibly you would have been so overwhelmed if he had said, Hey, Melissa, I want you to write a book. You'd be like, no, I can't do that. That's not ever anything I thought about doing. So if you had most of the work done, then it softens the blow a little bit. It makes it a little bit more like imaginable. And yes, I can do this. 
And that's exactly what happened. You literally just said it right then because he had told me to write a book. And I was like, God, I can't, I'm not, I mean, I don't <laughs> write a book. I'm not that deep. Like I think about people just being so deep and, right. and, and I'm like, I'm just not like, I don't have that part. And so he, he tricked me into it and showed me that through him. And that's the thing, like we love the scripture, Philippians 4, 13. Yes. I can do all things through Christ. Right. But we can, if God has them for us and we do them in the power and strength of Jesus Christ, we can do anything that he gives us to do. In fact, Michelle, it reminds me, I was uh, teaching my a lesson at my church on Tuesday night. And I said, you know, one of the questions that I get the most is, I want to know what God, people ask me all the time, I want to know my calling. I want to know my purpose. What does God have for me? And years ago, I would say, you know, well, you just really need to pray. And the Lord, I tell you, until the Lord gave me revelation and he created us to be worshipers, to be worshipers of God, of Christ. You're absolutely right. That's, that's what we were created for. And so I tell people like your, your purpose in life and your calling is to love God. You love God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. And I, because that's what God had me do. Like, I just, I fell in love and I'm going to go to, you know, my testimony. I fell in love with the man that rescued me because I didn't feel like I was worth rescuing. Mm. And so I fell in love with my rescuer, you know, my, my knight in shining armor, the one that comes in on the white horse and he rescued me and he pulled me up out of the pit that I was in. And that is where my ministry was birthed from. I didn't know that I was going to even have a ministry. I would have never thought that was possible. But in falling in love with Jesus, you will find yourself walking out exactly what it is that he created you to do before you even realize it. Like it just happens. So I tell people your purpose, your calling is to love God. And in that, everything else takes place. Mm. So it's not something that you have to sit down and pray and like, God, I want, I want my purpose. I want to know what I'm supposed to be doing. What is it that you have for me, God? Just love him. It's that simple. Like the gospel of, of Jesus and the message of Jesus is really not that complicated. He right. says, love, accept me. Come be with me. Right. I will make you mine. And when you are his, and you fall in love with him and you have a relationship with Jesus, you fall into exactly what it is that God has for you. And so let's go back to that moment, though. Let's go back to where it started. And I'll, I'll share some of my story. I wish I could share it all. You know, I don't know that I've ever had the opportunity to share everything at one time because it would be it would take so much time. But I will hit the highlights and the really good stuff. Hit the highlights because it's all good. It's all good. That's why I'm so excited to have you on because I think that, you know, other women need to hear the hope in your story. Amen. And that's exactly what I share it for. And I, when I started my ministry, I just wanted, if it changed one life, I was like, God, if, if sharing the most vulnerable parts of my life changes one person, then it was all worth it. If it pulls one person out of the same pit that I was in, then it was all worth it. And so, Michelle, I'll start it real quick, my childhood. So I was born into a pastor's home. My dad was a pastor. I was a PK 
a preacher's kid. Right. Because everybody says, always watch out for the preacher's kids because they're the ones. (laughs) I wrote that book on on the preacher's kids. (laughs) But, um, But I grew up in church and I had like so much knowledge of the Bible and of the stories and of Jesus's life and all this, I could, I could pretty much tell you any story that was in the Bible. I went to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, anytime there was a function at the church, you know, we were there. And at the, the age of, and I'm going to go fast forward because I had a, I had a good childhood. I didn't have a, a traumatic story. You know, a lot of people start it as a child. And I have to say that I was raised in a loving home. I was raised in a home that, you know, my parents didn't fight and argue and there wasn't any of that. There wasn't any alcohol or addictions or anything, And so, but as I became a teenager, of course, our curiosity starts getting the better of us. We want to, we want to try things. We want to taste and see, you know, so I started, but, you know, I had such a love and honor for my parents that I would never allow myself to do too much because I wouldn't hurt them. Like I would never have disrespected or hurt my family. And my dad was like everything to me. He was just the most important person in my life. And I had him on this pedestal. And I was like, you know, Lord, even even in looking for and, and desiring a husband, I wanted my husband to have the same qualities that my dad held, you know? And I was like, God, I want to marry someone like my like my dad because I was a daddy's girl. And then at the age of 19, I had gone off to college. I had just finished my first year at college and I had majored in religion and honestly had no idea what I was going to do with that. I just knew that that would make my dad proud. And so I had finished my first year in college and I come home and it was like I walked into someone else's house. It felt it was so different. Everything had changed. My mom and dad had changed. I'm like, what in the world is going on? And so at the age of 19, my dad actually fell from the ministry. He fell into temptation and my whole family was destroyed. And this was taking place when I had moved back home that summer And I had gone periodically during the the course of that year and you could just tell things were different. But when I moved back home, like things had changed to a point that it was so obvious that the enemy had been allowed in our home. And it was that same summer that my parents split up. And so we go, I go from this child who adored her father and had a very loving home and we were always together and we supported each other to our entire family was falling apart and I did not know what to do with that I didn't know how to uh to put my life or even move forward in my life without my family because it had been everything to me And so in in years later, the Lord had shown me that I had put my father, my biological, my earthly dad in the place of God. Mm. I worshiped him like he was the one that I lived for. 
I wanted to make my daddy proud. I wanted him to tell me that I was pretty and that I was important and that I was wanted. And he was never intended to be there. It was a place that only God is supposed to be. I mean, there's nothing wrong with us wanting to please our earthly parents. There's nothing wrong with us loving them or wanting to marry someone like our, like our dad. But I had not ever had those things in desire to do them for the Lord. And so without Jesus, I had so much head knowledge of the Bible and of Jesus, but I had no heart knowledge. Right. So I knew it in my head. And I, of course, I could quote you anything in the Bible that you wanted to hear. And I could sound so much like a Christian that you were truly convinced that I was a true devout Christian, you know, but behind the scenes, my life has fallen apart because I had no heart knowledge of Jesus. And even the enemy, even the devil, Satan himself knows the word. He knows it. That's right. You know? And so I think that that's one thing as Christians that we have to be careful to not, because the enemy comes to deceive. He comes as an angel of light. Mm-hmm. And we have to be really careful not to be deceived by people who walk, talk, and sound like Christian. You know, you have to see the fruit. God says, you will know my children by their fruit. Right. And I, Michelle, I had zero fruit. I had no fruit on my tree. And so when all of this started taking place, I just, I fell apart. I was angry. I was mad at God because in my mind, because I only had a head knowledge, I was like, God, I've watched my dad get up at three o'clock in the morning because someone needed him in the church. I watched people like hundreds and hundreds of people come to know Jesus through the messages that he preached, I watched the the people in the church be some of the meanest people I've ever met. I, I mean, I watched how they would attack us over anything. We we lived as the pastor's family. You live in a glass house, right? And if you do one thing wrong, and and people are going to mess up. I don't care. How, I don't care who they are. Billy Graham sinned. Right. He was not a perfect man. If he had been a perfect man, that would have made him Jesus. You know, as amazing as his ministry was, he had sin in his life because he was human. And so people are going to mess up. And so, yeah, so when all of this happened, like I just, I got angry with God and I said, God, you know, if if this is what happens after I watched my dad serve you for now, almost 20 years, then I want nothing to do with you. I'm not going back to school. I didn't want to, I didn't want to go back to that major of religion for nothing in me. I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want to talk about God. I didn't want to talk to God because I was angry at him. And I think sometimes that these things need to be said because so many people have this misconception and it's the enemy that's coming at you, but we get angry at the Lord. But the Lord showed me it's okay. He says, I'm big enough to hold that. Right. I'm big enough that if you need to be angry at me for a moment, then that's okay. And we can talk this out. But unfortunately, that anger carried into 11 years. Wow. My life started spiraling out of control. Right right after all of that happened with my parents, I ran into the arms of the first man that showed me any attention. And he was 11 years older than me. And so, of course, I know now, but then I didn't know that I had a daddy void in my life. I didn't know that it was because when, when my dad chose the decision that he did, 
it also destroyed our relationship. We weren't able to, I didn't, I didn't know that man, to be honest. And he was caught up in a lot. It just, we weren't able to have a relationship. So here I go from being the, the little girl who wanted nothing more but to please my father into a world without one. And so I started filling voids. I started just, um, I'm like, you know, God, if, if my dad can choose what he chose, then I can do it. And I can do it way, you know, way more than what he can. And, and so I just set out at that point, you know, it's hard for me to look back because it hurts me to still think about it, but it didn't matter to me who I hurt. You've heard the saying, hurting people hurt people. Right. And it truly is true. I was so yeah. hurt. I was in so much pain that if you, I didn't set out to intentionally hurt people, but if you got hurt because you were in my way, that was your fault, not mine. Mm. And it didn't matter to me. And so then I became this person. Then when looking in the mirror, I no longer recognized. So I meet this man and he was married and I didn't care. Now, the person that I am now would never in a million years do anything like that. But I fell into his arms. He came and he, and he was, he knew like I was vulnerable. I was very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And so we started a very long relationship. And as this relationship grew, and if you, I know that I can speak to so many people and have been able to over the years, because if you start a relationship in adultery, it's never going to be good. Right. There's no trust there. You start not trusting that person because, you know, if that person will, uh, you know, do this to one relationship, they'll do it to any. Absolutely. And so it started in so much, it just one problem after another from the very beginning. And then it became very controlling. Like I wasn't allowed to do, but what he would let me do or go where he wanted me to go or wear what he wanted me to wear. And I fell into all of this. And I had become like, as a teenager, I was like this strong girl that was going to conquer the world. And I knew that I could. I was very independent. You know, when you're raised in a loving environment, then you believe in yourself. But I had lost all that. And so now my identity had become this man that had stepped into my life. And then, of course, when any, any abuse starts, the mental abuse, if it goes on long enough, eventually turns into physical abuse. And so then that started taking place. And before I know it, I'm years into this relationship and I'm being mentally abused. I'm being physically abused, emotionally. I think nothing of myself and I've accepted this way of life, you know, and then at 20, I was 22, at 22 years old, I'm in this relationship that was just horrible. I mean, it was, he had so many people that he was in other relationships with. And at 22 years old, I found myself pregnant and at a crossroads, I didn't know what to do. I knew that I wanted to have my child. I knew that that was, uh, not even an option. I was going to have my child. And so he left. The father, the man that I was in the relationship, left because I was going to get fat. Wow. And so he didn't want to be with a fat girl. 
And so he left me in my pregnancy, but still determined I was going to have my child and, and I had a son and the best decision. Like I have an amazing young man now that is my son. He's 19 years old, just turned 19. And one of the greatest joys and loves of my life, like he is just brings so much joy to me. And um, such an amazing young man, you know, I just know God has so much for him. But so when I had my son, this man comes back into my life, I guess, because I'm not going to be fat anymore. But um, Michelle, uh, nine months later, this is where my story takes a huge turn. Um, because nine months after giving birth to my son, I was pregnant again. And this time I was faced with a decision that I wasn't prepared to make. And again, our relationship was still rocky. Just because we had a child together doesn't mean that anything changed. And so, you know, I, at that point at 23 years old with a nine month old, I chose to have my first abortion. And this is a part of my testimony that I share through the strength of God. It's, it's never something that I'm proud of or that I like sharing because it's still something that brings me pain, the decision that I made. However, I don't walk in any condemnation over it anymore um, because God healed that part in my heart because he already died for those sins and because he restored me. But in that moment that I made that decision, now you have to remember that I was raised in the church. And so I knew what God said about abortion. I knew that it was wrong. I knew that I should have never made that decision. And even calling the clinic to make an appointment, I had to start shutting something down inside of me. And I went through and it was the abortion clinic is the coldest place I have ever been in my life. I, I can't describe the depth of evil mm. that you feel in those places. And when I left the abortion clinic that day, I started teaching myself unknowingly, but I started teaching myself how to stuff and how to be void and how to not feel I had already been traveling towards that way, but that moment, because I knew the, the, the depth of what I had done, I had to start pushing. I had to start st stuffing. And that day I started turning to alcohol. Mm. I had to have something to start numbing me because now I had so much pain of what had happened in my relationship with my, my earthly father. And then this relationship that I am in, which is horrible. I was being abused like crazy. And now I had made this decision myself. I was the, I really truly believed that I was the worst person that walked the face of the earth. Like I had, I, I believe I, I am in my mind. I thought, well, there's no redemption for me now. You know, I'm going to hell when I die. And these are the things that the enemy was coming in and putting in my head. And I believed them. I took them hook, line and sinker. I took every single piece of bait that he was throwing at me. You know, I would look in the mirror and I would tell myself how horrible I was and how ugly I was and how God would never forgive me. And how could he, how could God ever forgive me? 
because I knew it wasn't like I just did something that I didn't know was wrong. I knew what I was doing. And Michelle, unfortunately, like not even a year later, I found myself pregnant again. And for the second time, I went to the abortion clinic. Now, the second time, it was a little bit easier because I had, I had turned so cold and bitter on the inside that I kind of just, just did it. And as, as, as crazy as sometimes this sounds, the first abortion, God gave me grace through it. He really did. He was there and I didn't experience the pain of abortion like I did the second time. And I believe the second time God was like, all right, you know, I tried to help you the first time, but this time I've got to remove my hand from it. And I had such a horrible experience that if you've seen the movie that came out, I can't remember the name of it, but it's about a girl that has an abortion. And then she became the director of Planned Parenthood. I can't remember the name of it, but. Yes, I have not seen that, but I know which one you're talking about. It's powerful. So there's a scene in the beginning of that movie of what she went through when she had an abortion. And that's exactly what I experienced. Like they, they send you home to have an abortion by yourself. They had, um, told me that I was, I had caught it in enough time that I could do the, the peel form. I took the peel and then you go home with another peel. And what they do is they send you home and you have an abortion at home by yourself. And so I'm experiencing this full blown and I, you know, pass the baby. And at that moment I decided because the enemy was right there that my life was no longer worth having. And this is the part where I became suicidal. My second abortion, I, I literally held my unborn child in my hand at home by myself. So I grabbed the bottle of wine and started drinking it. And in, in the next few hours decided that I should just remove myself from the face of the earth because I was so horrible. I was a terrible person. I didn't deserve my son. I didn't deserve to live. And so I tried to, I, I went through the process of, well, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to say it because um, I think there's so many people that need to hear this, but I went into the bedroom and I got a gun and I sat down to take my life. Okay, guys, I know that was really heavy, but be sure to come back tomorrow so that you can hear some more of her story. And I just pray that this gives you encouragement and hope that we are never too far gone for the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. Never. There's not one thing that we can do, not one thing that we can say that he will not love us for. We all have a story. We all have past traumas that wound us deeply. And really, it's only a void that God can fill. Lord, we love you for your grace and your mercy that you give us each and every day. And we ask that you would just show yourself so 
clear, so faithful, so present in our lives today. We ask that you would break the chains that are holding us, Father God, holding us back from living the life that you have purposed for us, Lord. For it's in Jesus' name that we ask. Amen.